Welcome to this week's uh, John and Scott Top 10 Lists. But we're here to talk about the movies, from Terminators and Time Cops to Bill and Ted and Marty and Doc. These are just some of the stories that may come up this week as we discuss the topic of time travel. But don't expect it to be all sci-fi and action, as this genre is surprisingly diverse. Along with plenty of action and sci-fi, we've got romance, comedy, drama, and horror. So grab your popcorn, get your favorite movie time snack, and join us for John Scott's Top 10 Time Travel Movies. Well, my number five is another pretty obscure title. Um, it's Happy Accidents from 2001 uh, with an IMDb rating of 7.2 uh, with a 70% tomato meter and a 75% audience score. Uh, it's directed by Brad Anderson, screenplay by Brad Anderson, it stars Marissa Tomei, Vincent D'Onofrio, Holland Taylor, Nadia Dejani, Tamara Jenkins, and Cara Bueno. Uh, let's see here. Uh, New Yorker Ruby Weaver believes she has found the man of her dreams in Sam Deed, who is her best catch in some time, except that he assures her that he came from the future. Um, <clears throat> So yeah, this is another one um, on my list in the same kind of category as Frequency and, and The Lake House, um, whereas it's not completely obvious um, that it's about time travel. Um, it's kind of your straightforward romantic comedy or romance um, and the time travel aspect just adds an extra layer to that um and what's interesting about this movie um is that we're not really sure um if he's really from the future or not um and that's you know part of the fun of the movie is you know is he is he crazy is he insane um or is he really from the future um and um so there's you know some fun with that um and um and like i said just from the romantic aspect it's you know marissa tomei and Vincent d'onofrio make an interesting couple um so just based on their characters and that there's a lot of fun and um with that um and i'm a, I'm a big Vincent d'onofrio fan uh, he's probably one of my favorite character actors of all time um yeah definitely you know top 10 um he just he's uh he, he he you know he's very versatile i can do a lot of things um but he plays quirky and weird um better than anybody uh without going too far with it um and this is a perfect example of that um he's uh quirky and weird but in a believable quote-unquote normal-ish way to where the whole time travel thing um you know uh we we believe him um but we also believe that he could be crazy um and so yeah it's um it's interesting and sam rockwell was actually cast as sam deed um the vincent offering character but dropped out to appear in galaxy quest um which <laughs> as much as i like sam rockwell i you know i uh i definitely think uh Vincent D'Onofrio was a better choice for this. And then Sam Rockwell, you know, doing Galaxy Quest was, was a good choice too. So it worked out um, for both, 
both of them. But uh, but yeah, th- this movie, Happy Accidents, actually appeared in Entertainment Weekly magazine's uh, issue of uh, the 50 best movies you've never seen uh, back from 2012. So yeah. have, you, have you, in fact, ever seen this? Nope. Don't know anything about it. <laughs> I have I have one movie on my need to watch list that I didn't get to. This isn't it. I don't know why. No. Yeah. I'll tell you what that one is later. Okay. Yeah. I may have it on my list, but you might because it's an old movie. <laughs> yeah. Actually, pretty much going forward, my movies are a little more more obvious, but. <clears throat> So I doubt it's on my list, but, uh, but yeah, this is one that, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've long just been a fan of this movie. Um, it's one of those that I think of, of, you know, these obscure movies that, um, when I, you know, I, cause I used to work in the video store and anytime somebody would, uh, you know, ask for a recommendation, this was one that I, one of my go-tos that I knew most people hadn't seen, but that I could, you know, almost really pretty much recommend to anybody um and you know they would probably enjoy it because it has that kind of appeal that it's not you know specifically um a chick flick or you know a guy movie or a comedy or a romance like it's it's you know encapsulates all that so but yeah and it's also a fun time travel movie so Cool. <laughs> Add it to the stinking list. Huh. All right. Well, my number five, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at stealing one from you now. I'm not trying to. This is right. where it is. This is Looper. 7.4 on IMDb. Came out in 2012. Tomato meter of 93% with an audience score of 82%. Directed and written by Ryan Johnson. The film stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bruce Willis, Emily Blunt, Paul Dano, Noah Segan, Piper Parabo, Jeff Daniels, and Gara Dillahunt. Ryan Johnson won several awards for his original screenplay. Uh, Joe is classified as a looper, a job in which his employers use time travel to send men from the future to be killed into the past where Joe can properly dispose of their bodies. However, to tie up loose ends and erase the evidence of his ever being a looper, Joe knows that one day his future self will be sent back for him to kill. When this day comes, Joe's future self is prepared and escapes, and the two men struggle separately in the past, trying to evade capture and attempting to fulfill their own personal agendas. Uh, this is this is a pretty fun movie. Um, 
I like how they use two separate actors. Um, any anything like um, uh, that Will Smith movie where he's cloned Gemini Man. Gemini Man. They DH him. Yeah, he's fighting against himself. Here they have like prosthetics and stuff that they put on Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and it it does quite a good job. Yeah, yeah, even his mannerisms and stuff. Like, yeah, like you can, it's it's believable that you know he's a younger Bruce Willis. Yeah, this uh, the screenplay was on the 2010 blacklist of most liked unmade scripts of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, Ryan Johnson had been collecting ideas for the movie since 2002. Oh. What do you think? Oh yeah, I love I love this movie. Yeah, this this was my number four. So oh, steal the next one. Yep, yep. Uh-huh. So you got you got me just in time because yeah, this was going to be my next movie. Um, but yeah, it's I mean everything you just said. Yeah, it's just it's. Uh, and like I said, early, you know earlier, like I you know I I enjoy seeing stuff done new or in a new way and. Mm-hmm. you know I, I think this does that perfectly um you know it 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 you know it deals with time travel in ways that we've seen before but does it you know in a refreshingly new way um and you know specifically with the you know the joseph gordon levitt and um bruce willis um you know being the same person 30 years apart um and um and then, and yeah, and then the overall plot is, you know, this kid that's going to end up being this bad guy in the future. And so, you know, and I think, it, and it honestly, like, I didn't know where that was going to go. And the way that it ends was not where I saw it going, you know, so that was, huh. you know, refreshing uh, the way it, it, it ends and, and wraps itself up. Um yeah, and it kind of got stolen too, right? Didn't in that kind of a little bit Deadpool like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that that may have even been on purpose, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's yeah, it does have a similar similar plot there, but um, and Emily Blunt is great. Like, you know, she doesn't really have that, you know strong of a role but she you know she does with well, it said she took she took the role without knowing yeah all that much about the movie yeah. she read half the script half, and... yeah half the script and was, was was in um but uh but i mean that being said i mean she does she does really good and she's you know she's really the emotional center of the movie and you know it's, it's integral to the plot um but i mean she really is just this boy's boy's mother um and you know she plays that as such but 
she's another one that's been in quite a few of these time travel movies uh you know edge of tomorrow and adjustment bureau and stuff so she's yeah that's what stopped me is i re- i read that and i and i looked over at, at my list and i'm like how come i don't have adjustment bureau yeah. even on my extras why is it it's probably because I couldn't rewatch it in time. Like I haven't, I haven't, I saw that movie and I thought, wow, that's really good. And then I haven't seen it since. Yeah. Yeah. I or, or it's somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> that's possible too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had it on my backups, but yeah, I don't, I'm sure it'll turn up on my, one of my lists at some point, but, um, but yeah, this one, I almost, ironically, I almost took this off my list um, because I thought you might, you know, you might have it. Um, But then I was like looking at my list and I'm like, you know, I've got so many obscure titles. I've got to keep some of these, (laughs) Uh, you know, and I do, and I do think it's just, and I do think it's such a great movie that, uh, yeah, I definitely belongs on the list. So yeah, just, just in case you didn't have it, I wanted it to be on my list, but that's why I put it down. I mean, it it probably would have been my number four anyway, but I definitely, um, you know kept it down so that give you a chance to to steal it so and you did so but uh that being said i guess i'll stick with my obscure titles and uh so i'm gonna replace looper with time crimes from 2007 with an IMDb rating of 7.2, an 89% tomato meter, and a 79% audience score. Uh, it was directed, uh, written and directed by Nacho Vigalando, uh, starring uh, Nacho Vigalando, Carla <laughs> El Jade, and Candela Fernandez. Um, and a man accidentally gets into a time machine and travels back in time nearly an hour. Finding himself will be the first of a series of disasters of unforeseeable consequences. Uh, so yeah, so this is a Spanish movie, um, and uh, yeah, it's another one of those. It's it's got a very very simple plot, um, but uh, it's another one of those that kind of turns on itself because it starts. Um, with the main character, he sees this strange person in the distance and that leads him on this journey where he ends up going into a time machine and going back in time in an hour. Um, but then he's, you know, so like, but then what's going on, what he noticed before is actually what, when he goes back in time to an hour, he's part of what, you know, what was going on. So it all, again, it all circles back and it's all, you know, like, what you know it's like the what came first the chicken or the egg you know what i mean it's that complexity of like you know well if he hadn't gone back in time then he wouldn't you know what i mean like he had to do this in order for it to all come full circle and yeah it's just it has a lot of fun with that and um and yeah it just kind of builds up to whatever and it's it's a lot of fun um i like it quite a bit i i take it from your reaction you haven't seen this one no I haven't even heard of it. 
Yeah, I, this is one of those like I read in like in like Entertainment Weekly or something. Um, just you know, it got good reviews, and so I was like, oh, I have to have to check that out. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, he's the the director has gone on to make some. I mean, there's still kind of obscure titles, but um, he made a movie called Colossal uh in 2016 with Anne Hathaway um which is really cool he makes these interesting weird little movies um hmm. uh, there's a movie called Open Windows with Elijah Wood um it's about like a serial killer um and it's all in real time uh on the open windows is like windows on your computer and so like it's like Elijah Wood is like tracking this killer through that. And it's, yeah. So he makes a lot of these little smaller like movies, but with these big ideas and they're, they tend to be pretty cool. So, but yeah, this, this was his first one and it's probably his best. So. Hmm. I have to check it out. Yeah, it's definitely worth. Like I said, it, it has it has fun with its time travel, you know, premise and exploring that. And... and there were there was going to be at one point there was a remake. There was a talk of Tom Cruise uh, doing a remake, and for whatever reason, it just never came to uh, fruition. Um, and it's it's the the remake still listed on the MDB as in development, but there's no no one attached or anything, so it's probably just sitting in limbo and whatever. But the originals is still there, and it's it's worth checking out if you know. Like I think on the DVD, I think there's even you can watch it dubbed um, if you're you know not a fan of uh, of subtitles, but which i think we've talked about i mean I, I don't mind the subtitles i i even have subtitles on my you know english speaking movies most of the time so that i yeah can... i've got i've got them on all the time yeah same because you know sometimes i'll miss dialogue or not understand or i'll look away and you know sometimes i'll miss something and if i'm quick enough i'm able to catch it through the subtitles so <clears throat> My number four is X-Men Days of Future Past, a 7.9 on IMDb, 90% tomato meter with a 91% audience score, directed by Brian Singer, who also worked on some of the original X-Men movies. Uh, based on Marvel Comics by Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, with story credit for Jane Goldman, Simon Kinberg, uh, Matthew Vaughn, screenplay written by Simon Kinberg, film stars Hugh Jackman, James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Halle Berry, Nicholas Holt, Anna Paquin, Elliot Page, Peter Dinklage, Sean Ashmore, Omar Sy, Evan Peters, 
and uh, original X-Men, Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, Famke Jensen, and James Marston. In the future, the mutants and the humans who help them are slaughtered by powerful robots named Sentinels. Professor Xavier, Wolverine, Magneto, Storm, Kitty Pride, and her friends meet at a monastery in China. And Xavier explains that the in invincible Sentinels are created using the DNA of Mystique. That was captured in 1973 when she tried to assassinate their creator, Dr. Bolivar Trask. Xavier tells that their only chance is return to 1973 using Pride's ability to join Charles Xavier and Eric uh, Lynchure to convince Mystique to give up her intention. However, only Wolverine can withstand the damages of the time travel. Will he succeed in stopping Mystique in the Sentinel program and save the mutants and their human friends from annihilation? So this is possibly the best X-Men film made. Yeah. I think it is, yeah. And uh, one of the great things about it is it brings in all of the new class people with all of the originals all together. Yeah. And it's just like one last hurrah type of thing. Um and it also does a similar thing that, that Star Trek does where any any loopholes or plot holes in previous films are all thrown out the window because this resets the timeline yeah. moving forward. But, yeah... It was, it's always for me it's always fun seeing Hugh Jackman play oh, Wolverine. Yeah. And he only got better at it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Even even within that first movie, he got better as they filmed, you know. But yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, yeah, this is a great one. Um, I, uh, I actually have this on a different list, so it's not on, on here for me, but, uh, but yeah, this is, this is definitely my favorite X-Men movie. And, um, I, I really, I really liked the first class. I thought it was a really good, um, mm -hmm. movie. Um, but of course I prefer the, you know, Hugh Jackman and, uh, you know, Patrick Stewart and whatever. And this was a perfect way to bring all of that together. And, uh, you know, not in just in a gimmicky way, because this is actually based on a comic book, you know, story that was already, you know, written 
years before. And so it was, you know, the material is already there for them to, you know, be able to bring these two casts together. Um, and, and yeah, it's just, it's, you know, it's just perfect to me, like the way it's done and, you know, um, so that we get the young and the old all together and, uh, the time travel stuff is really cool. Um, and, uh, you know, they'd already done some of that, not so much time travel, but they did some of that, you know, like revisionist history stuff in the first, first class with the Cuban Missile Crisis and that stuff dealing with yeah. that. And so they have, they do some more of that stuff here with the, you know, the real history being mixed with fiction and, you know, tying it all together. And so that's kind of cool. And Yeah. And of course, the Mystique character, um, you know, there's, you know, a lot more of that. that you know, she, in the movies, anyway, she's always kind of been the um, moral uh, ambiguous one. Um, and so, you know, and there's more of that here where, um, you know, she's kind of on, on that cusp of, you know, hero or villain. And, um, and I think that's done very well. I mean, it just it, it juggles many stories and and without it feeling like too much or with any of them being shortchanged like um yeah it's just a really good really good movie was this uh was this on was this on your list or did you did you replace was this on your yeah, back? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was on there okay so but, sure I, but were... I just I just moved it though because <laughs> right, right. It was number three. I just moved it down one. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Well, my number three is Source Code from 2011 uh, with an IMDb rating of 7.5, a 92% tomato meter, and an 82% audience score. Uh, it was directed by Duncan Jones with a screenplay by Ben Ripley and stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Michelle Monaghan, Vera Farmiga, Jeffrey Wright, and Michael Arden. Um, Army Captain Coulter Stevens finds himself working on a special program where his consciousness can be inserted into another human being. The only catch is he can only be there for eight minutes at any given time. That morning, a bomb exploded on a commuter train just outside Chicago. He occupies the body of a teacher going to work on that train as confused as to what he is doing or why he is there as his last memory is of flying his helicopter on a combat mission in Afghanistan. Those in charge of the program explain to him that there is a bomb on the train and that he must locate it. More importantly, he must identify the bomber as another bomb is expected later that day. He is also told, however, that he cannot change the past and can only gather information. As he develops a liking for his traveling companion, Christina, he sets out to test that theory. Um, and I should state that uh, Jeffrey Wright's character actually states that source code isn't actually time travel, uh, but rather time reassessment. But whatever. <laughs> it still fits. But uh, but yeah, in, in that uh, he's not so much traveling through time as just occupying um, someone in the past. But other than that, yeah. And uh, as I've said with many of my choices um i like that the movie isn't just gimmicky with its time travel it you know it's 
um the time travel is a is a a plot point uh but it's just it's just the beginning um you know in the movie um you know toys with that you know theory and um you know everything that goes with time travel and can he change things and um yeah and you know it's it's a really good thriller um you know it keeps you on the edge of your seat and you know you get a little more with the eight minutes you know you get a little more information each time and you you know you're with him um and piecing it together and um and i like that the character is just as confused as we are so that we're right there with him like we're not ahead of him or he's not ahead of us like we're pretty much following the story as he's living it um and we find out information as he finds out information and so both about the source code and about the bombing and all that stuff so it's like you know we don't know anything about source code when the movie starts when we learn you know little details you know as it goes along and um yeah that's yeah i've got this on my backup list this is this is one of those movies that was kind of in that sweet spot of the transition from for me not having cable to there not being really streaming that much yeah so i had i had this dvd or blu-ray whatever i had and I, at, at that point in time, I watched it quite a few times. And then my ex-wife, uh, right, right after we got together and got married, she, you know, we would, she would go looking for a movie to watch and she'd pick this one almost every time. I'd be like, no, you don't, <laughs> you don't want to watch that one. Yeah. I enjoyed it, but it's, you know, it's kind of heartbreaking in a way when, yeah. you, when you see what's actually happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though it is, it is satisfying, though, the, you know, um, how that is dealt with, um, you mm -hmm. know, like how, how it, you know, um, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it is. And there was a lot of um, uh, Russell Peters is probably hmm. one of the most famous comedians in the world in, in the sense that, you know, he's Canadian and he plays shows all around the world so he yeah we people here may not know him as well but he's known everywhere else yeah and i had seen him in several clips and specials before this came out so it was fun for me to see him yeah in the film yeah yeah i was i was familiar with him um as well and yeah i i enjoyed that he plays the stand-up comedian um and you know an up-and-coming um comedian or whatever and he's forced to do his uh his bit or whatever which i guess though that like his um because he works pretty blue and i guess like 
they had to cut most of his stuff to keep a PG-13 rating. So that, that's why you only get like a little snippet of his of his stuff. But but yeah, no, I yeah. I like the complexity of this movie too, and the fact and and the mm. it, it, it's really interesting. Like, you know, um, I'd kind of forgotten about that. Um sort of like when you brought up the, the heartbreaking stuff, like, it, yeah, it really is. But that also, I mean, it adds to the, you know, the uh, emotion, you know, of the movie. Um, and, and, and like I said, that, that part is dealt with. And there's even a scene where he talks to his dad um, as a, yeah, as the other character. And um, so that's, yeah, I mean, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, I don't. Know. It's it's a it's a complex movie, and it, I I think it does it like again juggles it all very well. And I mean, it's a, like a ninety minute movie. It's a very you know it's it's not a very long movie, but it you know it it, it gets a lot done, and it does it at a very you know fast pace. And and for me, it had you know it has a very uh, satisfying. Uh, conclusion in the way it wraps everything up, I think, pretty well. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's all I got. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and do my replacement now and move my three up and just hope that that works out for me. <laughs> because I cannot, in good faith, have this movie as my number two. So uh, my number three is when we first met has a IMDb rating of 6.4, a tomato meter of 43%, with an audience score of 57%. Uh, directed by Ari Sandal, written by John Winnington. Uh, film stars Adam Devine, Alexandra Daddario, Shelley Hennig, Andrew Batchelor, uh, Robbie Amell, Dean J. West, and Chris Wilde. Noah thinks he has the perfect first night with Avery, the girl of his dreams, but he gets regulated to the friend zone. He spends the next three years wondering what went wrong until he gets the unexpected chance to travel back in time and change that night in his fate over and over again. <clears throat> so yeah, Adam Devine plays Noah and the girl of his dreams is played by Alexandra Daddario. 
um, which is very fitting. Um, and I like this. I like Adam Devine just in general. He's uh, uh, what is the name of it? What's the name of his TV show? Workaholics. Yeah. This, you know, this is probably far from his best movie or performance, but it showcases a lot of different scenarios where he when when he goes back depending on what he does to change whatever he turns into a different person <laughs> entirely oh wow you've not seen this uh-uh, i've not, okay. I never heard i never even heard of this one so it's a netflix movie yeah i see that yeah Yeah, well, I won't say too much more about it. He, um, yeah, he spends the whole movie trying to tweak their first date or their first meeting, not a date, but their first meeting yeah. to end up with the girl of his dreams, and stuff happens. <laughs> yeah, it's another one I've, I've added to my list. Yeah, I, I like Adam Devine. Um, I yeah, I always find him funny, and uh, I like her too. Um, mm -hmm. she's uh, she's she's one of those actors I I I don't I don't recognize the name, but as soon as I saw her, I'm like, oh yeah, her like, yeah, true um, detective, yeah, yeah, her. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'll definitely have to have to check that one out. It doesn't. It doesn't have the most promising uh, reviews, but most most comedies don't for whatever reason. And yeah, well, he's. It says here that you know once Adam Devine was cast, the producers asked him to look over the script and rewrite some of it to fit his personality and comedy style. So. That's smart. Which there, him, him, and the other two guys, Anders and um, the other guy with the fluffy hair. Yeah, um, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember his name, but they're all pretty similar, <laughs> and. They have they they have a Netflix movie, which is kind of like a uh, like a workaholics meets meets diehard mm -hmm. movie. Yeah, have you seen that one? I don't think so. Uh, let's see. Game, game game over man yeah game over man yes yeah i have i have seen that actually yeah that came out the same time this one came out oh, okay yeah i did see that one yeah and that one was really alex good. with three x's yeah <laughs> yeah yeah this one like i yeah i said i'd never even heard of this one um so yeah i'll, I'll definitely have to have to check it out um <clears throat> 
Yeah, but that, I mean, that's that's true. A lot of the Netflix movies, though, is, you know, um, some of these smaller, more little more obscure titles, you know, they have so many of them coming out that they easily pass under my radar. Yeah, and especially the last couple of years where they promised to have one new movie a week. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, there's there's lots of times where I'll, you know, go on there and I've discovered movies that I didn't even know existed. So, and sometimes they're better than the more, you know, higher um, publicized ones, but... Mm-hmm. But yeah, so yeah, I'll check that one out. It's on my list. Although I'll probably check out that in the shadow of the moon first. But uh, but yeah, when I'm looking for a, a you know just a silly goofy goofy movie, um, I'll definitely that'll probably be the first one I come to. But all right, well, my number two is certainly not uh, a goofy uh, movie um it, it, right we're at number two yeah yeah um my number two is 12 monkeys uh from 1995 with an imdb rating of 8.0 89% tomato meter and 88% audience score uh it was directed by terry gilliam uh the screenplay by david webb peoples janet peoples and inspired by the film la jetee uh written by chris marker uh, stars Bruce Willis, Madeline Stowe, Brad Pitt, and David Morse. Oh, and, and Christopher uh, Plummer. And uh, James Cole, a prisoner of the state in the year 2035, can earn parole if he agrees to travel back in time and thwart a devastating plague. The virus has wiped out most of the Earth's population, and the remainder live underground because the air is poisonous. Returning to the year 1990, six years before the start of the plague, Cole is soon imprisoned in a psychiatric facility because his warnings sound like mad ravings. There he meets a scientist named Dr. Catherine Rayleigh and Jeffrey Goines, the mad son of an eminent virologist. Cole is returned by the authorities to the year 2035 and finally ends up at his intended destination in 1996. He kidnaps Dr. Rayleigh in order to enlist her help in his quest. Cole discovers graffiti by an apparent animal rights group called the Army of the Twelve Monkeys, but as he delves into the mystery, he hears voices, loses his bearings, and doubts his own sanity. He must figure out if Goins, who seems to be a raving lunatic, holds the key to the puzzle. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I've <laughs> That pretty much covers it. Um, yeah, so in the future, humanity is pretty much wiped out um, on the surface of the planet, like animals roam free. Um, and, you know, there's this virus that wiped out all of humanity. And so the survivors now, they all live underground. And um, so, and they're all kind of caged. And Bruce Willis has chosen to go back in time to basically just gather information um, about the virus um, in order to, you know, help them in the future. Um, but as he um, learns things and gets more information, he starts to believe that he can possibly stop the virus and 
Um, and yeah, so he goes on that quest um, and kind of like um, Happy Accidents, uh, this movie has an, kind of an ambiguity about it, whereas we're not really sure 100% if he's crazy, if these visions from the future are um, real or not. Um, although Happy Accidents is more ambiguous because we don't actually ever see the future uh whereas this shows it to us so we're more inclined to believe it but still it could just be figments of his you know imagination um um and yeah it's and and again um as most time travel movies there you know it kind of turns around on itself events that we see um happening at the beginning come around in the end and we see how a character sees something at a different time that turns out to be something else we learn you know we learn later um you know don't want to give too much away just in case uh you know there's anybody who hasn't seen it but oh uh, yeah i've seen it okay but yeah I you, don't... What i'm talking about where the you know the beginning ties into the end and how that all kind of <clears throat> It's been a while. I don't. <laughs> I remember uh, Brad Pitt's performance. Oh in, yeah, the, yeah. He was, he was nominated for an Academy Award. So yeah, I mean, he was. Yeah, it was Terry Gilliam. Um, he's he's part of the you know Monty Python, and he's mm -hmm. he's made a lot of like weird you know movies and uh, he had this movie which i think is really good it's called brazil uh which came out in the 80s and it was the last big studio film he made and ironically it was with universal who's the same studio that put this out um but he had the hardest time with that movie um fighting with the studio and then they barely released it and so um it yeah it tanked and you know they hated it they wanted to change the ending and whatever um, and so he refused to sign on for this movie unless he had final cut. Um, and, but their only stipulation was, well, in that, in, if you're going to have final cut, then you've got to have a big star. Um, and so Bruce Willis came on. Um, and so he was able to get final cut by having the, you know, Bruce Willis on and Bruce Willis was so excited to work with Terry Gilliam that he basically worked for free, um, you know, just to do this as most, most of them did. Um, Brad Pitt actually was wasn't even a big name when when he signed on to this. Um, so he was he you know they got him cheap anyway. Um, you know because this was uh, this movie was released after Seven and um, some of his other stuff, but he you know was signed on before any of that. So, but yeah, this is. I love this movie. This is one of my one of my favorites. Yeah, I saw it's it's interesting that you know we all say and we all know Terry Gilliam was part of the um, Monty Python. Monty Python, but he was the one that did all of the booking animations and stuff like that yeah and 
I believe he was the only American too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he was more. He was more like a writer and director, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, as as uh, you know, unless of the you know on screen comedian, but. <laughs> Yeah, and I see that he was he was worried about Brad Pitt being able to pull off the fast talking mm-hmm. part that he needed him to, so he sent him to a speech coach. But later on, found out he just took his cigarettes away from him. And yeah, that helped his performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's it's a good performance too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely the most memorable in the movie. Um, but yeah, I just, the, this is one of those movies that I've, I've seen probably 10 times and it's just as entertaining every time. And, and, and you learn more, you know, you, 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 you notice details that you might not have seen before. Um, you know, cause it does a good job of laying on the complexities. Like it's not necessarily confusing, but there's so many details and so much to it that you can pick up new things you know upon second third viewing that you know you might not have noticed before especially you know once you know how it all comes back it's you know it's a lot easier to know what you're looking for and kind of pick up on things that you know you that might not have seemed significant the first time around um but but yeah what's interesting is like when i because I, I i rewatched this recently um because i had mm. it in a minute but what's interesting though uh, speaking of the brad pitt character when i when i think of him in this movie i always immediately think of like you know the beginning where he's you know in the insane asylum and acting crazy and stuff and whatever and of course that's the more showy part of it but he does you know um show up later on you know and um there's a little more complexity to his character than than that um, which I'd kind of forgotten about since I hadn't seen it in a minute. So, cause he. Well, didn't he, I, I'm just, I'm just now realizing that the reason my, um, extra list is, doesn't have some movies is I trimmed it down. So. I trimmed it down to only have 10 because that's all I needed to have. Yeah. So, of course, 12 Monkeys was on there at some point in time. Yeah. I remember that he, I think Brad Pitt was worried about being able to pull off the duality of of yeah. that other part of the film. Yeah. Yeah, I'd read that too, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, you know, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's easier, I think, to act as crazy as he does in the beginning, um, as opposed to having to kind of you know, do it a little bit and play it, um, you know, later on. So, um, but yeah, it's a. I think this is Bruce Willis's first shaved bald head movie, too. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Which is very important <laughs> fact. Yeah.
Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Bruce Willis. He's, he's one of my favorite actors um, as far as um, to watch. Um, you know, that uh, not saying he's the greatest actor or you know, whatever, but he's he's to me the most entertaining actor and always been a, a favorite of mine from Moonlighting on. Um, you know, of course, Die Hard being my favorite movie. Um, he's got a lot to do with that and um but yeah he, and I, I do think he gets underrated in in some senses in in the range that he you know can do he's you know because he's not he's he's not an action hero in this movie you know like he's it's uh, a much more you know subdued dude role um and he's very good at it you know he's I don't know. Probably one of my favorite of his performances. But oh, I, th I thought this was interesting. There was a tagline um, that was originally suggested for the movie, and the tagline was, The future is in the hands of a man who has none. Uh, but they pulled it because they thought it was confusing that people would think that it, it was. Uh, in the hands of a man who had no hands rather than a man who had no future. Yeah, that was confusing just now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The future is in the hands of a man who has none. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think that I think that was smart that they pulled that. Yeah, good job to whatever guy. <laughs> whoever that. Yeah, well, whoever, whatever guy was going to get coffee and he went, what? What is this supposed to mean? <laughs> He has no hands. Why does he have hands? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah. All right. Well, my number two um, came up a little while ago. I think you had it on your Tom Cruise list. My, my number two is Edge of Tomorrow, or better known as Live, Die, Repeat. A 7.9 on IMDb, came out in 2014. Tomato meter of 91%, audience score of 90%. Directed by Doug Lyman, uh, based on novel by Hir um, Hiroshi Sakurazuka, with screenplay written by Christopher McQuarrie, Jez Butterworth, and John Henry Butterworth. Film stars Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt, Bill Paxton, Brendan Gleeson, and Noah Taylor. Uh, an alien race has hit the earth in an unrelenting assault, unbeatable by any military unit in the world. Major William Cage is an officer who has never seen a day of combat when he is unceremoniously dropped into what amounts to a suicide mission. Killed within minutes, Cage now finds himself inexplicably thrown into a time loop forcing him to live out the same brutal combat over and over 
fighting and dying again and again. But with each battle, Cage becomes able to engage the adversaries with increasing skill alongside Special Forces warrior Rita uh, Varatsky. And as Cage and Varatsky take the fight to the aliens, each repeated encounter gets them one step closer to defeating the enemy. Uh, so this is sort of your Groundhog Day with aliens and exoskeleton guns and armor. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tom Cruise, uh, ba he's basically a, um, a major who is, he's mostly meant to go on television and be like a pretty face. Yeah, kind of promote the war or whatever. Yeah, and something happens that gets him demoted, and he goes into combat and uh, with zero skill has no idea what's going on and immediately gets killed. But gets killed in a way with the alien goop or whatever, and that causes him to wake up again. Um, at the beginning of that day. <laughs> yeah. And I don't remember how many times that happens, but that happens and he runs into Emily Blunt's character and she realizes what's going on because it happened to her. And she says, after you die, come find me. And the rest of the movie is them uh, replaying what they had done the time before and building bit by bit on it until they finally win. Yeah. So I know you like it. I think, wasn't this on your Tom Cruise list? Oh yeah. 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 yeah it was actually, it was, it was my number three on this list um, at one point, but then after I put up my Tom Cruise list, I took it off this list, but yeah, it's, I love this movie. It's, it's just a fun, entertaining movie that has a lot of fun with its premise. And yeah, I just, and I, I love the premise. Pretty much any, any movie that I've seen that, that with the Groundhog Day, um, for lack of a better title, Groundhog Day premise, like I've, I've, I just find it fun. It's just, you know, I, you know, I enjoy, um, you know, as he continues to live the same day and make changes and do things and do things differently. And, um, yeah, with, you know, with the added bonus of the aliens and guns and, you know, all that. Yeah. It's just a lot of fun. And I think we talked about it last time. They're supposed to be doing a sequel. Um, so hopefully. We'll... Yeah. Live, die, repeat, repeat. Yeah. <laughs> Something like yeah. That. Yeah. So hopefully if uh, Tom Cruise can take a break from the many uh, Mission Impossible sequels, maybe 
squeeze squeeze that one in, but but yeah, I don't really have anything new to add, but me neither. But yeah, it's that's that's a good one. All right. Well, that brings us to my number one time travel movie, and that is Back to the Future from 1985 uh, with an IMDb rating of 8.5, 96% tomato meter, 94% audience score, uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis, screenplay by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, stars Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Crispin Glover, Thomas Wilson, Claudia Wells, James Tolkien, and Billy Zane in his first on-screen performance. Um, let's see here. Marty McFly, a typical American teenager of the 80s, is accidentally sent back to 1955 in a plutonium-powered DeLorean time machine invented by a slightly mad scientist. During his often hysterical, always amazing trip back in time, Marty must make certain his teenage parents to be meet and fall in love so he can get back to the future. Um, so yeah, I think most people are familiar with the plot, um, but uh, I add a little bit to that. So Marty McFly as a typical teenager, he's friends for some reason with a strange scientist and he um, who has invented a time machine and uh, he inadvertently travels back in time and to 1955 and screws up his parents meeting and so he has to spend the rest of the movie trying to get his parents back together as his mom has fallen in love with him or fallen for him um, and instead of his dad and so and along with that, he also has to figure out a way to get back to the future, um, where it is 1955. Um, plutonium isn't something that he can really get a hold of. So he's got to also, you know, deal with trying to figure out how uh, he can, you know, power the DeLorean and get back in time. So, um, but yeah, this is, this is, uh, you know, I, I've mentioned this before. I've talked about Back to the Future Part 2. Um, was on my list of my all-time favorites, um, but this, you know, this is right there with that. I mean, this is probably a, a movie I've seen more than um, any other movie. I just, you know, watched this repeatedly um, as a kid, um, and uh, yeah, this this movie doesn't have as much fun with time travel per se as the sequel or as many of the movies on the list in the in the sense that this movie really just has him going back um in time and then the movie basically pretty much just takes place in 1955 um with the bookends of you know 1985 um but uh but still it's it still is it's fun in the in the sense of you know uh, i mean the whole movie got made based on the premise of uh, one of the writers was just like going through he discovered his dad's yearbook um on a trip home and started going through it and realized he had no idea like he knew none of this stuff about his dad he didn't know that his dad was you know whatever part of whatever clubs he was part of and whatever and so it just sparked this idea of like what if you know 
And he was like, I don't even think I would hang out with this guy. Like, I don't, you know, like, you know, this, this isn't somebody I would, you know. And so um, it kind of sparked that idea. I was like, what if you, you know, met your dad, you know, when he was your age, like, you know, would, you know, would you be friends with him? Would you, whatever, like how, you know. Um, and so that kind of sparked the idea and um, went from there. Um, but, uh, and, I, and surprisingly, this movie had, they had a really rough time getting this movie made um at the time a lot of the comedies were of the you know porkies revenge of the nerds um you know hard r sex comedies you know fast times original high and so a lot of the studios weren't interested in this you know more tamer kind of movie and ironically disney thought it was too risque um you know, dealing with incest, quote unquote, incest um, with the mom, you know, falling for the son and whatever. So they just couldn't win on either point. Um, and but thanks to uh, Steven Spielberg, um, they, you know, were able to to get it made um, and uh, ended up being the top grossing movie of 1985. Um, and um it's uh let's see it, it the movie holds the record it's staying at number one at the box box office for three solid months um it is ranked number 10 on the american film institute's list of the 10 greatest films in the genre of science fiction uh, which was released in 2008 um it was included on the new york times list of the best thousand movies ever made in 2003 uh it is on uh it was ranked number 28 on entertainment weekly's 50 best high school movies in 2006 and number 15 on entertainment weekly's 20 best summer blockbusters of all time in 2014 and it was ranked uh number two on rolling stone's 25 greatest 80s movies so uh let's see here uh, a couple other things um i wanted to note here that uh the to be continued um that has appeared on the end uh wasn't actually on when it was originally released in theaters um it was actually inserted onto the end of the vhs um when it was released um in hopes of sparking interest in a uh sequel um because the yeah the original that ending the the filmmakers didn't intend on a sequel they just thought that that was a fun little way to end the movie you know with them going off into the future and you know a fun little you know last little joke um that would be fun but with no intentions of ever showing that future or doing anything with that um that to them was just you know that was that was it and but they also just knew the studio was going to make a sequel regardless and they didn't want them to screw it up and so they reluctantly agreed to go ahead and you know make the sequels because if they were going to be made they felt they might as well be the ones to make them so um but that being said since then the rights to the film and its sequels are now owned by robert zemeckis and bob gale um and they have adamantly said that no reboot or remake will be made in their lifetime so which i think is is good i mean i've I don't think we need a remake and obviously I don't think any sequels. I think they, they wrapped it up pretty well with the third one. I don't think there's really any, and you know, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd are both wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be reprising their roles at this point anyway. So 
point in doing a sequel and a reboot like I don't, just to me you can't you can't replace michael j fox and you damn sure can't replace christopher lloyd um as doc brown so i mean and and you've got rick and morty now which is basically a reboot uh you know uh, um you know and that's as good as it you know that's good enough for me um so yeah yeah i mean if the only thing i could think that would that i would be even slightly okay with is a like a soft reboot like kids or grandkids or something like that get involved yeah like more of a continuation type of thing yeah maybe but there's no need for it yeah technology now is far different than what they thought it was and yeah 40 years ago yeah yeah well and that's and that's part of the the fun of of these movies though it was it was a little it was like a kind of a a sillier i mean some of it did come true um you know mm-hmm. but nowadays i think with with the technology these days it would ruin it you know like i think it's it was it was perfect of its time um in, you know in in that you know because yeah now the future would look you know so real and so you know just whatever that it would almost spoil the fun um <clears throat> of, of you know bags future part two where we saw that future which was meant to be kind of a ridiculous you know with jaws 20 or whatever it was mm-hmm. you know you know and just um yeah so yeah and i see that i had never seen this before but i know a lot of people know that eric stoltz was like the original the original right Marty McFly and got fired even after filming several scenes, but it looks like C. Thomas Howell was cast before he was mm-hmm. and he was fired because the ma- or mask, which Stoltz was in, uh, became a surprise hit. So they fired Howell and hired Stoltz. Yeah. <clears throat> but even all along uh fox was their original choice right yeah 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 he was the first that's the their first and he was on family ties family ties yeah yeah and so and yeah and uh, the mom in that show had just become pregnant in real life and so they were relying more on him than even before and so they were like we just can't um let him go and so yeah but then after eric stoltz was just not working out by that time fox became more available he was still you know um you know prominently on family ties but the creator of that show agreed that if you know as long as it didn't interfere with um you know with their show that yeah they 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 now felt that you know he was you know they could free him up enough to possibly do the movie but yeah, Michael J. Fox was like, 
doing them but like filming one at night and you know the other during the day and was just you know sleeping you know in his car at you know being you know uh at whichever one and being woken up when it was time to cast i mean yeah bless his heart he was just constantly filming something and i think there was one story that i vaguely remember reading or hearing um that he inadvertently was either in the wrong costume or reading the wrong lines and on the wrong whatever he was doing marty on family ties or there was something where there was one point where he (laughs) he messed up and was was doing the wrong character but i mean i can't blame him i mean i'm surprised it happened only once like you know like if you're just constantly going back and forth and probably be easy to forget yeah yeah oh and of course sorry go ahead no you go ahead i was just gonna say of course it's it's included in the thousand one movies you must see before you die i always got (laughs) got that one I think you've got, I think about, I think you've only got like 996 movies that you have to watch. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's been about five. Wow, more than that. Come on, man. <laughs> no, I, I know. It, it seems like, if not every year, at least every other year, I end up watching the trilogy over a weekend or something. At oh, yeah. Once same. every two years or something like that. Yeah, same. It's usually it's it's become a little more far far between but um but yeah every i'd say about every three years now I'll, i return to it and yeah just watch them all three yeah and they're yeah just that kind of movie that you can always kind of return to especially at our you know like our generation it's you know that's what we grew up with so it's <clears throat> always had that special place all right well on to your number one all right my number one is about time came uh 7.8 on imdb came out in 2013 Tomato meter of 69% with an audience score of 81%. Directed and written by Richard Curtis. The film stars uh, Domino Gleason, Rachel McAdams, Bill Nye, Lindsay Duncan, Vanessa Kirby, Richard E. Grant, and Margot Robbie. At the age of 21, Tim discovers he can travel in time and change what happens and has happened in his own life. His decision to make his world a better place by getting a girlfriend turns out not to be as easy as you might think. So I... I the only reason... I've seen this movie is because I had a friend back when it came out who was like a, I don't know, a gold star member of the Monette movie theater. 
said, hey, I've got free tickets to this movie. You want to go with me? I said, sure. We went and watched it. And it turned out to be this movie. Mm-hmm. And it was really good. Yeah. Um, so Dom Nell Gleason, who is now... Uh, heavily known as a he's a Weasley brother he's a um, a snarky bad guy in the Star Wars universe yeah he's the bad guy in Peter Rabbit um, <laughs> and and he has several uh weird roles too on top of that he's he's the type of guy who can um grow a beard and turn out to be a totally different person yeah but uh bill nye plays his dad and in fact his character's name is dad (laughs) lindsey duncan uh her character is mum but uh, his 21st birthday, he uh, doesn't seem to be having all that good a time. And then his dad lets him in on the patriarch secret of the family, which is they can go into the closet, or a closet or quiet space, I think, and yeah. do this thing, and it takes them back in time. And he plays around with it. And you can only... There's rules, right? You can only do it so many ways. His dad explains all the rules to him while they're playing table tennis, I think. And Yeah. And... Uh, yes... <laughs> Bunch of stuff happens. <laughs> it's pre- I mean, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I like this movie quite a bit. It's, uh, it's. Uh, I was, I was kind of surprised when you uh, put it on your list, because um, it wasn't, it wasn't something I just immediately thought of. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good one. It's, it's. Um, I like Bill Nighy a lot. Like he's just, he's just, yeah, I, or whatever. Like he's so funny. Um, he's got that dry sense of humor, um, and uh, he's he's really good here. Um, and uh, and yeah, this is another one of those. It's just it's just fun. Um, and the way that you know, because the way the complications kind of work in this one, and it's and it's kind of in, in a unique way where he'll because um, you know he's got a, a nutty sister, and um, he's got some weird best friends, and. So like he tries to use the time travel thing to help them as well. And sometimes inadvertently by helping them, he inadvertently screws something up in his own life. Um, and so that, you know, like he ends up like he, he meets uh, Rachel McAdams and they have a great first date, but then he comes home to find out his, his best, his, his roommate um, has had a bad 
thing at the play. And so he goes back in time to fix that, which inadvertently erases the first meeting with her. And so like, he's, you know, and so there's a lot of that kind of where, you know, he's kind of got to figure out this time travel thing. And um, yeah, it's just really good. I like Richard Curtis too, the, the guy who wrote and directed this. He's written a lot of good quirky British romances, like Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, um love actually love actually of course yeah and uh he, he did this movie called pirate radio too which is kind of an underrated uh one which also starred bill nighy and whatever it's really good and um but yeah this is another one it's kind of like what i was talking about with uh happy accidents where it's you know it's a fun little you know cute little sweet little romance uh, it's funny, it's sweet, but it's also, you know, takes its time travel seriously too. And, you know, there's, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, and he could only, he could only do, do something so many times, or his dad can only do something so many times. And it it's, um, you know, after going through all of the all of the things that he wants to do or wants to try to do, he um, gets a little tip from his dad, which is, you know, I live every day like I can't do it, and then I do it one more time. So yeah, he lives every day twice. Yeah, yeah. One time surprised by what's happened, and the next day knowing what's coming. Yeah, and enjoy. Yeah, and, and taking the time in that second day to enjoy the mm-hmm. little moments. So, yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, and there's a lot of little, um, just little moments in this movie, or little uh, clever, you know, things, or I don't know, guys. <clears throat> that you know that i appreciate like that um or you know um the fact that he can only go back in his lifetime so it's not like he can just go anywhere or do anything it's just you know he goes to specific moments that he can remember and concentrate on and and then there's there's a scene that i remember where he goes back in time and it's past it's before the birth of his child and so then but then he comes back to the present and his child is a completely different kid and so he goes and he realizes that yeah because different gender too right? yeah yeah it's it's a boy and so like he's like you you can't go back beyond that birth because that's that specific sperm has to be whatever and so like yeah so he learns he can't go back past and yeah so there's um you know and again there's there's the the relationship between the father and son in this movie that's really you know touching and um you know, important to the, to the movie. So it's very rich in, in its characters and its relationships, um, you know, his relationship with the sister. So it's not just the romance between him and, you know, Rachel McAdams. There's a lot of, you know, emotional, you know, stuff and it's, yeah, it's a good one. I'm proud of that pick. Yeah. Should be. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, it's unexpected, but but fitting whereas mine was my number one was pretty obvious but so well 
It's also deserving, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, your pick was completely out of nowhere, but for me, I, you know, um, I wouldn't have thought of it, but that's what makes this so fun. Is... <laughs> Never know. <clears throat> and I think this list more than any, you've, you, we, I think we both uh, come up with movies that neither one of us had even I don't know. I know. I know. There's three that you had that I didn't. I didn't even seen. So. All right. You want to go back through your. Yeah. Um. Where do, there it is. Okay. Number one, About Time. Number two, Avengers Endgame. Number three, X-Men Days of Future Past. Number four, Edge of Tomorrow. Number five, Looper. Number six, Frequency. Number seven, The Time Traveler's Wife. Number eight, Idiocracy. Number nine, Hot Tub Time Machine. Number ten, Time Freak, and I had to use In the Shadow of the Moon and When We First Met. And my number one was Back to the Future, number two, 12 Monkeys, number three, Source Code, number four, Looper, number five, Happy Accidents, number six, Primer, number seven, Frequency. Number eight, Avengers Endgame. Number nine, Predestination. And number 10, The Lake House. And I had to use my number 11, uh, Time Crimes. And the one, the one movie I had on my list that I didn't get a chance to watch is called Somewhere in Time. Oh, yeah. Christopher Reeve. Reeve from... 1980 i think yeah yeah i've seen that one it's 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 good obviously didn't make my list but it's it's worth seeing you should you should still check it out thank you for joining us on two middle-aged men and their top 10 for this part two episode of top 10 time travel movies where we provided our picks five through one uh, let us know what you thought did we mention any movies you like or what do you think we forgot please remember to rate uh, review and subscribe and we will talk at you next week with a different list bye <laughs>